The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm Maureen Metcalf, your host, and today we're joined by Kathleen Bergen. Today we're talking about implementing large-scale changes. Kathleen's a senior partner with a global consulting firm, and she has over two decades of experience leading large global changes, and this experience is across multiple industries. With our theme as Leader 2050 and the organization of the future, one of the important components of allowing organizations to remain successful is developing the core competency of implementing these changes. And specifically, one of the words that's important is multiple concurrent changes. So how do we change many facets of our organization at the same time compared to what we did in the past where we would time phase our changes, we'd implement one, finish that, and then start the next. Now we're balancing many changes, all impacting the same employees, and that's where Kathleen is brilliant. So back to my objective in this show is to help leaders and emerging leaders deal with and prepare for the changes that they're going to be facing over the rest of their careers. And so my hope is, with the idea that the most effective leaders have this idea of the mind of the scientist, that we are continually innovating how we lead at at least the same rate as we're innovating the things around us. So as a leader, I am continually scanning for what other leaders are doing, what other leader trends are available, and trying those out in my world. So I may find something useful or I may not, and the underlying theme is I am continually experimenting. So the conversation with Kathleen, I hope, brings up some areas where you may hear of a tool that she's using or an approach she's using that you may be able to try in your environment. So many organizations are facing complex, large-scale change initiatives. All of these conversations suggest that we're living in an era where this is unavoidable. Kathleen will share her experience leading large complex changes and give practical insights. Basically, she'll answer the question, what do I need to know before I start a project that will increase my likelihood of success during the project so I get from here to there and get done what we say we're going to get done? And then the piece we often don't don't talk about as much is this value realization and sustainability of changes. The project team comes, they get the thing done, they're mainly on, on schedule and on budget and then they go away and are we as an organization able to create the value that we've promised to our leadership team our stockholders and our board that they expected when they allocated thousands or millions or hundreds of millions of dollars to a project so I'm going to share a little bit about Kathleen and then ask her to introduce herself I chose her because of the range of experience she's had, again, across industries, that she's worked with some of the world's largest financial institutions, she's worked on some of the largest government projects, and she has successfully accomplished uh, the results that they're looking for. Often she comes in as as the fix-it person uh, to recover failed projects. Uh, that's where she is brilliant, and, and I also know that this is an exhausting role. 
Um, she's also a contributing author to the Innovative Leadership Workbook for Implementing Analytics Programs. So Kathleen, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll go into the questions. Sure, thank you Maureen, and I'm so happy to be with you here this morning. So I think you highlighted quite a bit regarding my career. I guess some, some little known facts that many may not realize. Um, I have continually evolved in myself and reinvented myself in terms of what interests me, where my passions lie, and trying to align my career aspirations along those lines. So I started with uh, an electrical engineering background and actually developing radar systems for uh, an aerospace company. I, I soon realized I wanted to move more into commercial uh, business and made the move to software development. I, I worked in industry for many a year, at which time I then decided, let me try consulting. I, I expected I might be doing consulting work for a few years. Well, lo and behold, <laughs> we all think that it has time has passed by very quickly. But that just shows you the dynamic nature of consulting business. I have never met a challenge that I haven't embraced and enjoyed and learned from. Mm -hmm. um, and that continues to build you know, my experience and my mm -hmm. toolbox in terms of what I can bring to my clients. I think you mentioned I have transcended several industries, and that's really quite interesting these days because you know, there is a, a platitude, multitude of experience that's out there, and each of us individually brings what we bring to the table. And so many times, you know, you can define innovation based on taking something that is practical, tactical, very prescriptive in one industry and applying it to another, and that in and of itself is innovative. Mm -hmm. So I think having that uh, cross-industry experience has really helped enable me to be a richer consulting in helping my clients. You know, it's interesting. We haven't um, talked on any of the shows about consulting as an industry. Um, I would fondly refer to myself as someone with career ADD that, that um, I am able to move from different industries and fields and practices and continue to learn like like you've mentioned and in the consulting industry and you're the expert in this more than I am um, it seems like the the firms often invest in their consultants developing very deep industry practice and also deep in their field of study so whether it's implementing enterprise software systems or um, uh, payroll systems it, it, the the folks within the consulting arena really are truly experts because they do this for years and so your experience is across industry and yet you still have deep technical skills so that sets you apart even in the consulting arena yes I think it does and you are absolutely spot-on Maureen a lot of the consulting industry does deeply value as they should deep subject matter experts whether that's in a particular field whether that transcends you mentioned payroll payroll can transcend many different industries but mm -hmm. you are a payroll specialist mm -hmm. um, we have folks that are specialists in in security or folks that may be specialists in fraud detection um, people that are deep deeply skilled in um, other industries like retail my experience transcends that and in, in a different way. It doesn't make mm -hmm. it more valuable, it just makes it different. Where I apply my skills and experience is a lot of times in driving the programs. I understand each of those industries to the extent that I can be relevant. I may mm -hmm. be able to have a, a board level discussion because I understand the business. You need to understand the business mm -hmm. in order to drive business outcomes. Mm -hmm. But you also need to understand human capital development. Mm -hmm. You need to understand what is required to make these programs successful or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think that's where mm -hmm. I may be a little bit different than, than mm -hmm. some of our more standard in-depth knowledge mm -hmm. experts. And what you've just said very much is aligned with a conversation with James Brenza when we talked about implementing analytics initiatives, that the 
most effective initiatives, we look at how do we align the the transformation or the or the change effort with uh, high level strategic goals. Correct. So, so it is a senior executive board level conversation. We're allocating this amount of money to this project. This is the outcome we want to get against a major strategic goal, and we so there is that alignment in the best initiatives i realize not everyone is is working at a board level mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it is interesting to be aware that some of the most successful especially large scale initiatives really do go all the way up to that level absolutely so let's move to if i were starting a project and i i were and i'm working with you i call you in uh, what are the top five drivers for successful implementation that I should be thinking about before I kick off a project? Good question. Probably hard to limit it to five. Okay, but some. But let me try to select <laughs> what I find is, is the most critical or top ones. If you don't get right, you're off course before you even get yeah. out of the gate. Yeah, then we meet you pretty quickly. <laughs> exactly. So number one, first and foremost, a clear vision and strategy. Mm -hmm. It seems so simple, but what I have seen, and in many of my experience, everybody thinks they have a clear vision strategy. To the individual who is leading, mm -hmm. they will say, yes, clear vision strategy. Now when I start to articulate that to the rest of my leadership team, Guess what? Each and every person, based on their experience, based on their perspective, may interpret that differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it really goes back to some of those fundamentals and getting that alignment up front on what the vision and strategy is. The second thing, this one I think is often perhaps a little bit overlooked. Um, I, I use the word resolve. Now when we talk about transformation, large change programs. We use the word transformation for a reason. <laughs> it is hard. It is complex. Don't let anybody kid you. This is going to be hard work. And I think the minute that people realize that, they will rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's metamorphic type of change. Mm -hmm. It is not something that is going to happen overnight. When done correctly, it is sustainable because lots of things go into making a transformation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think about it when you put all the vast experience together, what can happen on the best day or the best days, you can move mountains. Yeah, I want to build on that. One of my mantras is stuff's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So no matter how well you've planned, no matter how good your team is, there's something you didn't anticipate. Something happens in the industry or the market that, that was unknown and, and likely unknowable. Mm -hmm. And so there, it is not only hard work, but it requires a level of a personal agility and resilience just to get up in the morning and keep going. Exactly. Um, I like when you use the word agility because that would be on my, my list as well. Um, I might have initially said innovation, but to be quite honest, I'm becoming a little bit hesitant of that word, and I'll say that for two reasons. One is, it has become very quickly overused everywhere. Mm -hmm. Innovation, innovation, innovation. Yes, we get it. We have to innovate to be we relevant. covered called innovation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. To, to thrive and, and survive. Mm -hmm. um, so I like some of the terminology and, and some of the descriptors around it. Plus, I think innovation is one of those words that means lots of things to lots of people. And mm -hmm. that's a good thing. But if you're trying to really be prescriptive on what you're doing and how you're driving the program, I like the word agility. And for mm -hmm. some of the reasons, mm -hmm. too, that you just mentioned, things will go wrong. Things will change. And that can be anything from one of your critical leadership team becomes ill. Now what, mm -hmm. right? Do you have a, a succession plan and, and how do you fill that gap? Something in business or industry can change and, and that changes the whole dynamic of the program. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do on my programs is you plan for that. You don't know what the what's are, mm -hmm. but you plan for the disruptions and yeah. say, okay, what do we do? 
How do we mobilize? Mm -hmm. How do we course correct, mm -hmm. get the right people in the room, make a decision, and move forward? Waffling around it doesn't help. Get the right people, make a decision, and move forward. So, so just as we think about scope, projects that you're working on have hundreds of people? Absolutely. A Minimally. Minimally. So potentially a thousand people, something goes wrong. You've now got a thousand bodies looking for what to do, and those thousand bodies cost a lot of money. They do, and those thousand bodies are looking for clear and direct communication. Mm -hmm. Even as a leadership team, you may be saying, okay, we have it under control, here's what we're doing. If you are not getting that out to the masses quickly mm. uh, and accurately, you lose, you lose the total program. Absolutely. So the impact is not only millions of dollars, potentially a day, but it's also trust and confidence that my leadership team knows what they're doing. And we often look to the dollars and forget that this program is going to fail if they don't trust us. Exactly. And if you think about how many people may be working on these programs, I always um, liken back to you know when President Kennedy was in office and he said, we're going to put a man on the moon. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. And guess what? Every single person in NASA knew that they had a role to make that happen and enable that, right down to the janitor. And if you don't have those clear messages out mm -hmm. there and everybody mm -hmm. doesn't understand mm -hmm. what is my role, what is my part, mm -hmm. you're potentially disoriented and you have yeah. you know, people falling off the path. When I start these programs, this is very interesting too because I have seen a fairly drastic shift over perhaps the last six, seven years. When you initiate a program and you set the vision, you set the strategy, I usually would say you'll have a third, a third, a third of, of your people in teams. One third on board from day one, passionate, Mm -hmm. get yep. it engaged one-third on the fence let me wait and see how this goes do I want to get on this train or not mm -hmm. and one-third that says okay this isn't for me so very quickly you know what to do with that third getting that middle population engaged mm -hmm. is so critical the interesting thing I've seen in these last few years is that percentage is shifting and I think perhaps, I don't have data and facts on this yet, I'm, I'm still doing a little bit of research, but I now look at it as 40% up front, 40 to 50% in that middle population, and down to really more 10 to 20% in the bottom population. And I think there's a couple of factors that may be influencing that. One is simply generational experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some of the younger generations they they embrace change they get excited about new strategy and vision mm -hmm. i think that's part of it i think others are just thinking it is a dynamic world everybody knows from their personal life evolving with social media analytical programs etc you have to change to be relevant mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. i think we're having a lot fewer naysayers these days oh, that's good news in dealing with this change Wonderful. Okay, so let's go to break now. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is Maureen Metcalf with Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. And our guest today is Kathleen Bergen talking about implementing large-scale change. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, 
online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're joined by Kathleen Bergen talking about large-scale change. So we're going to pick up where we were before the break, uh, focusing on the top five drivers for successful implementation. And the question is really, if I were talking to someone, or if Kathleen were talking to someone about structuring a large program or a transformation initiative, what do we need to make sure is in place and attended to to increase the probability of success dramatically. So back to you, Kathleen. Sure. Let me try to round out this list. Probably two more things I would call out as critical before you launch or engage a program of of this size and scale. Um, One of those would be the clarity of roles and responsibilities. I know that sounds so basic and fundamental. It is huge, and from a couple of different aspects. Each individual needs to know what is their responsibility. They need to understand how that aligns for them personally. Mm -hmm. They have to have the passion. They have to have the drive. So it has to be important for them personally, as well as they need to understand their part, where they fit into Mm -hmm. the greater good. Mm -hmm. What happens if they do or don't do something? How does that impact the program? Mm -hmm. I think also this day and age, you know, we work in ecosystems. So the influence that one person needs to have across a program, mm-hmm. they need to have negotiating skills. They mm-hmm. need to be able to drive and, and have that accountability, even though many, many times it transcends across an organization. I want to jump in on this because I think there's something that is almost paradoxical. We talk about agility and then we talk about the importance of clear roles. And my term for that is liberating structures. If I know where I'm starting from, I can flex. Almost if you were playing tennis, you know what home base is. You have a certain stance, you have the racket in your, if you're right-handed, you have the racket in your right hand. Then you are free to move, but you know where you're moving from. You know where you're returning to. So there, there is a clear foundation from which to deviate compared to we're all here to help and we, we're running all over each other. So I think taking an analogy from um, well-run sports teams might be useful here. I think you're right and very well stated. So I, I like that, um, that uh, a- analogy, if you will. One thing to note, too, when people think about what is my role, I, I don't harp on this, but at some point in time, People worry about it's a competitive business. Somewhere at the end of the day, the term compensation comes into play. Mm-hmm. When am I accountable for? How am I being compensated? And let's make sure we're aligned on that. I have had so many programs. It's all about the alignment. You start at one place, like you just mm-hmm. uh, stated, and you go different places. That is okay. In fact, that is required Mm. because if nothing changes over the course of a year or 18 months, which many of these programs do have that much duration, then you're missing the mark. You Mm. must evolve. You must move. The important part is about getting alignment as you're making those changes Mm -hmm. and stacking hands and making sure that, yes, everybody agrees. We're making this change. This is how how we're moving forward Mm -hmm. from here on in. The very last item and I know we have so many things to talk about we could go on Mm. and on, is focus. Focus, focus, focus. It's important in these programs every now and then to come back to regroup, restate. Is everything that we are doing 
harping back on what was my vision and mm -hmm. my strategy and my desired business outcomes. Mm -hmm. Throughout these programs, things may change as we just discussed, and that's a good thing. Throughout these programs, there is also a tremendous um, likelihood that noise creeps in, mm -hmm. scope creeps in, and very often, if you let that come into that framework, it spells disaster. So a lot of times what I do, is it's the focus, it's the reset. Okay, bring everybody mm -hmm. back together. Mm -hmm. Remember what we said? Yes, mm -hmm. okay, this is what we said. Are mm -hmm. we still doing that? Absolutely. Ooh, maybe we drifted <laughs> off course a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that has to be at the leadership team level. Mm -hmm. And then those messages need to go back out to everybody. Everybody gets busy in the normal course of their day, mm -hmm. right? So you need that focus and constant realignment. Like going to a chiropractor and he has to do your yeah, realignment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, the word that comes to me is editing. I have to have the courage to edit out the stuff that I like doing that isn't core to our objective. Right. We all are so busy that we leave the office exhausted, feeling like in many cases we haven't gotten it all done, and then we're going home to another list of things to do, that, and we'll probably go to bed feeling like we haven't gotten all that done. S sorry for sounding like the gloom and doom person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But one of the antidotes for constant overwhelm is courage to edit, courage to delete things that we think are interesting, we could use later, if they're not absolutely core, back to the idea of focus. If it's not on my critical path, I often don't have the luxury anymore of doing something that's interesting or I like or it might be useful. It's, it's almost maniacally focused. Correct. So let's now shift to supporting value realization. It, often, again, we think of projects as successful, what we're measured on is, especially as consultants, we came in, we got it done, we met our budget, we met the deliverable objectives and the timeframes, and yet as our clients, what they need is the economic value, the customer impact, the employee impact that we've promised that this program was supposed to deliver. And so can you help us think through, again, if I'm starting a program, what do I need to put in place early on to ensure that the value is realized and the benefits are sustained long term? Great question. Probably first and foremost, I use the term measure what matters. So we need to, at the outset, define how are we going to measure success and how are we going to really evaluate, are we looking at the right things? Mm -hmm. In this day and age, there is so much information, data, and analytics, you would think it is almost easier. To some degree, it is. But to some degree, it's horrifically more complex mm -hmm. because there are so many different things you can measure. And then it becomes, what's a leading indicator? What's a lagging indicator? Am I, am I really looking at all of the measurements across all boundaries? So think about all of the things you need to be successful. You need to drive customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. You need to have employee engagement. You need to drive profitability. Right? Sometimes that is just a, a negative, nasty word in, in today's political climate, uh, especially. Uh, but all those things you need to have in place in order to be viable, in order to be sustainable. And what that also means is what you start out measuring day one may not be the same thing you measure day 50, day 90, Day mm -hmm. 1,000. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that is okay, too. That will change. As long as you still are, are staying true to your core vision and strategy. So that's I set the North Star, and I know that term can be overused. But I, I know the overall outcome, the overall value. So it, it, it is probably some combination of profitability achieved through efficiency, achieved through customer impact, achieved through something that impacts employees, because it all impacts employees. And, and now as an employee, I, I'm, I walk in, I sit down at my desk, and there are three or five or 15 projects that are going to change my job mm -hmm. in, in the next year. 
they and often not coordinated. So I I feel like the guy that the the ball machine has gone broken and I'm just trying to swing the bat at the at the balls and and the things run amok. So that sense of measurement not only of the outcome but also through the process of impact on the people who keep our businesses running and are working so hard every day to to be effective and to contribute the value that that they want to contribute to make their lives meaningful and instead of having to duck every morning when they walk in exactly so let me expand a little bit upon a couple of the things i said one is when we think about customer retention, relationship, mm -hmm. customer satisfaction, and customer engagement, our customers, our clients are ever more connected than mm -hmm. it, it's just the way of yeah. the world, right? The internet of things. When I worked in life sciences industry, here's a perfect example, 75 plus percent in the U.S. and in Europe expect to have capabilities, information, they expect to be engaged in social media with regards to health and life sciences, their wellness programs, mm. they are expecting to be there. Even more explosive from an uh, India standpoint, they expect health and wellness applications 90% of the time. Really? And being an organization, a company that is trying to reach out to that population, it, it creates tremendous pressure and puts mm -hmm. a lot of emphasis on being agile and a lot of emphasis on leveraging those ecosystems, leveraging the advancement of technology to put that information into people's hands real time. Across the ecosystems, you see organizations or companies who formerly were competitors. Now they are partners. Mm -hmm. driving towards greater good, mm -hmm. things that will really help um, the population of, of people and human capital. The second thing is, um, which I, I, I love this topic tremendously, is human capital management. When we go through one of these programs, inherent to the change is you are building your leaders of tomorrow. I like your 2050 program and having folks participate in any of these program, they are learning from others, they are learning what works, they are learning what needs to be course corrected, they are learning how to be those leaders of tomorrow. That is critical for sustainability. You have generations out there now that quite honestly are very selective about the programs they choose to work on. I have consultants that will say, oh no thank you, I really would not like to work on that project. <laughs> and, and you first scratch your head and say, that's a different type of response I'm from, from whence I grew up. Um, but that's okay. They're making their mark, and they are trying to make sure that what they are involved in, they're passionate about, they're engaged in. And you know what? In the end, that leads to greater success. If you don't have engaged employees... You're mm -hmm. not going to get mm -hmm. as much success. It doesn't mean you will fail, but you will not necessarily have as much success than if your employees were 100% engaged and driving and moving those mountains. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's really important what you just said and, and a pointing out that when, when we grew up being, I'm probably even older, the environment was you do what you're told to do or, or what you're asked to do and you just jump in and you make it happen. Mm -hmm. There, There isn't a choice. And as leaders, I so often hear people say, why should I have to reward them or acknowledge them or anything else? They're paid to come to work. That doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't. This idea that I, uh, of positive psychology that I have to be more positive than negative, six positives for every negative statement, that uh, the, the Daniel Pink autonomy, mastery, and purpose, that people will engage more if they have a sense of purpose mm -hmm. and freedom to make some of their own decisions. 
that people are more engaged if they have a best friend at work. These are all completely new ideas compared to when I started working, which wasn't like the dark ages or anything. <laughs> uh, so, so the field of leadership has changed dramatically. And I really appreciate that you're acknowledging on a consulting project where, where you are running from the minute the door opens until pretty late at night, getting our talent, our, our, our people who are engaged in making this happen, they really need to be excited about it, have a sense of purpose. Then the work they deliver is so different than I showed up, I got it done because my boss said so, and, and I'm going to go home and not think about you people anymore. Exactly right. The quality of the outcomes just, you know, is exponential mm -hmm. when you work in, in that type of environment. Mm -hmm. Something else you just said triggered a thought in my mind. And you say when we're doing these consulting projects, we run, we run, we run. And, and mm -hmm. we do. And our clients, you know, expect a lot from us yeah. in, in a short period yeah. of time. And justifiably so. They mm -hmm. should do. One thing that I, I do want to call out is very critical to the success of these programs also is the, uh, how you temper and measure and monitor and manage the pace. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there are points of inflection and you really do need to throttle back. There are points of time where you do need to, you know, pedal to the metal, go, go, go. But there are times you need to take a step back do the pause, do some introspection, think about the focus, mm -hmm. make sure your group is aligned. So pace is very much a part of this. I think one of the biggest challenges in any of these programs is really getting that balance right. Mm -hmm. It is hard. Too much, too fast, too quickly doesn't work. Stopping too much, that doesn't work either. So mm -hmm. what is that balance? That absolutely also depends upon the culture of the organization mm -hmm. and what it is that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. We need to have step points, landing points where we can demonstrate achievement, where milestone number one, where milestone number two, absolutely, let's celebrate the success. Mm -hmm. Deep breath, okay, moving forward. It, writing books, I know there's a cadence that I I would say almost the books set the pace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are things that need to happen, but there's also this dance of energy that there are times to meet a deadline, we're running like crazy. And you went through this with me in, in the book that we wrote. And then there are other times, and it seems like I've fallen off the face of the earth. There's something else that's requiring attention. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and to me, that's how these projects feel to meet the deadline that, that it's almost like a living entity that I'm in in engagement with and because there are multiple thousands of people in some cases especially when we look at the consulting team and all of the folks within the client organization that are impacted it, it really is it's in its own I like the word ecosystem that you mentioned mm -hmm. the, the ecosystem develops its own characteristics and I can't push a living system beyond a certain point it, or it gets sick and so how do we again go back to treating understanding that it's a living system and that we need to keep it healthy and we need to keep ourselves healthy again if the point is to sustain the change to sustain the momentum throttling back revisiting editing deleting reaffirming what is the overall objective and and replenishing our sense of purpose. Exactly. Why are we doing this? So I want to circle back then. This was, th this question was specifically about re value realization. Mm -hmm. And I heard two things. One was I need to measure the value. I need to reaffirm as we go forward what is that value and the value measure needs to be integrated into ongoing leadership discussions so if every quarter I revisit all of my measures this project or program measures need to be integrated into 
are ongoing leadership discussions rather than one-off. Because it's easy if they're one-off to not look at the organization systemically and there's an impact of one part of the ongoing business that impacts the sustainability of our program. So we need to be looking holistically even if the program so that the program can be integrated long term the other thing i heard was our leaders and our our teams and our employees how do i ensure that they're trained engaged motivated even passionate about what they're doing and that we manage their energy so that we don't have high attrition, so people aren't falling off, so people aren't getting sick. I'm sure you've seen as well as I have people actually getting hospitalized during programs because they're working so hard. They've missed every indicator of health and now they're literally in the hospital. Exactly, and and that's a program-wide issue. That's a leadership issue. Mm-hmm. If we are not seeing that, recognizing that, and making the adjustments accordingly, mm-hmm. we need to take that on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We should not have people on our programs getting ill because of mm-hmm. anything that may be driving either timelines or the, mm-hmm. the output or the stress associated yeah. with some of these things. And I've seen that both on consulting side and client side, Absolutely. that our clients are feeling the same pressure we are. And there's nothing worse than going to visit a client in the hospital because of the stress of a program we've been working on with them. That feels like a total failure on my part right. as, the, as a person leading a project that my client got sick. And it's it's counterintuitive. Even if you were to put... The, the human nature and the personal part of it aside, right? Because we don't ever want mm-hmm. anybody to become ill or injured. It doesn't help the program. Yeah. When people are working at those levels, they mm. don't make the right decisions. They are weary. They are tired. They are missing key signals. People need to be well-rested to be impactful uh, in in their daily mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, and that coming from two women who work really hard and are, and are often seen to be looking pretty tired and drinking <laughs> a lot of coffee, <laughs> including this morning. <laughs> so we're going to take a break on that note. This is um, Kathleen Bergen with Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations, and and we're talking about implementing large scale transformative change. We'll be right back. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, we're back with Kathleen Bergen, Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. So we've talked about positioning a program for success at the beginning. What do we need to do? How do we build in value realization so that at the end we have what we wanted to accomplish? Now I want to throw it back to Kathleen with kind of an open-ended question. What do you want other people listening to this interview to take away that you wish people had talked about more that drives success of the program and quality of experience during this because if I'm working on a program for a year that's a part of my life that I'm never going to get back so what do we do to create positive experiences wow that's a great question I, I think when when I work on my programs and when you hear me talk and you hear me talk about this so frequently is it harps back to organizational culture and diversity. So when I talk about organizational culture and one of the first things I do when I'm working with a new client is I probe in that area. Help me understand. Mm-hmm. How does your organization work today? How do you face challenges? What is the pace of work? What you know, do people do? What is the, the lifestyle? Mm-hmm. Does everybody take lunch? Does everybody work through lunch? Some of these nuances are really interesting because it helps you set the tone. It helps you set the pace. And it helps you figure out where those hot touch points are, mm-hmm. where the trigger points are to say, where can I inflect change? Mm-hmm. And where might I not want to inflect change? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you push and push and push and and the organization will just implode. Or it pushes back. Exactly. The project fails. Exactly. So it's, it's so important to recognize what that culture is mm-hmm. and drive the change, um, but enabling people to be empowered, uh, letting... Letting people drive at a pace and understand the strategy so they can be comfortable and and be part of it and be passionate about it. Because, again, that's when you will get the best results. And I think people overlook this organizational culture mm-hmm. um, uh, complexity. It, it really mm-hmm. is complex. And now, as, as I said, the ecosystem is changing. Think about it, it today, even at the leadership level. We have so many new C titles. We have the chief digital officer and the chief marketing officer, and you still have an abundance of others and and the chief security officer. That is so important. And all of that needs to integrate with the business leaders. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, if we're not tied into the business outcomes, uh, none of those things make sense. But Mm -hmm. what happens is everybody may have a role, but you need to work across the organization. Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, your your influence capability, your negotiating capability, all of those things come into play that, that the organization can move, evolve, and change sort of like an amoeba. <laughs> you know, we, in the innovative, the Leader 2050 competencies, there are a couple that really stand out here, innately collaborative that I need to understand and appreciate what you need to be successful and what I need to be successful. So we're all collaborating in a way that we didn't in the past. And then the other is 360-degree thinker. Mm -hmm. I need to not only understand my part of the business, I really need to understand the entire business as that C-level or senior person and understand that there are, I can't maximize my personal output at the expense of your organization because then as a whole we're less effective so this leader of the future you're really pointing to there are some foundational behaviors and mindsets that are different than what allowed many of us to be successful getting where we are so we're rewiring our own thinking Mm -hmm. as we're working on some of these programs Let me give you a great real-life example. And when we talk about um, 
I don't like to use the word failure. I like to use the word learnings. Mm -hmm. I was working with a global investment retail bank. The strategy was set by the European CIO. And after maybe eight, nine months, guess what? The strategy didn't work. The culture didn't work with the U.S. retail mm. counterparts. You know, it, it raises something that I think of in these large changes, and I, I think of it with our government also. We put something in place, and then we correct. Mm -hmm. There's an expectation that we won't have gotten it right. Mm -hmm. We will have gotten directionally, and I imagine many people hate to hear this idea. Why can't we get it right the first time? And yet, with the, the scale and the complexity, I need to attend to the culture, and I need to have an expectation that if it's not right, you're not a failure. We took the first step, we learned more, and we'll, we will adjust. So back to we're scientists. I have a hypothesis. I know it's directionally good. Mm -hmm. I implement that, and then I, I do the next part of my experiment rather than I'm going to go fire that, that person. Correct. So we're at a point of closing. I hate to hate to end this conversation, but but we will go off the air momentarily. So thank you everyone for joining us, and I do invite our listeners to contact me, and certainly I'll pass any information along to Kathleen as well. My email address is info at metcalf associatescom Please give us feedback. We would love to hear your questions, and we'll read your questions on the air or respond back to you directly, either Kathleen or myself. So this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I hope that you heard something today that will impact your thinking, that will inspire you. Kathleen is certainly an inspiration to me and a thought partner as we look at how do we implement changes to make our world better, better for our children. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week.